This is the Personal File Podcast. Got a special guest coming on the show this week. Mike Randall covers the Action Network and Fantasy Labs NFL. You can follow Mike at Randall Rant on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks so much for having me, man. Best time of the year. Can't wait to talk about college hoops. Yes, we're just getting in the heat of the NCAA. So what is your take on college basketball this season? Because, man, there has been nothing consistent in the top 25. It's been a mess all over the place. You had teams go down yesterday. We'll get into that in a little bit. But what's been your whole take on this whole NCAA season? Because it's been absolutely insane to watch. It is completely setting up for a fantastically entertaining tournament. You have so much parity. There's no dominant teams. And listen, what the public usually wants is they want well, they want in the tournament upsets early and st- stable popular programs late and this year those programs your kansas duke gonzaga those teams have shown flaws even kentucky last night showing a flaw so it's exciting if we get those big upsets early and we get a a couple strong teams against some cinderellas in the final four it's going to be a massively entertaining tournament yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, as you touched on yesterday with Kentucky going down, Maryland at Rutgers. We're going to get into the Big Ten a little bit later. Um, Michigan State pulling a big win against Penn State on the road. Sparty maybe starting to figure things out a little bit. And Purdue beating Iowa. So pretty much a lot of upsets yesterday. And it's been like that all season. So, I mean, let's get into the big power blue teams with North Carolina struggling all season. Do you think that's because Cole Anthony was out for eight or nine games a season? Yeah, Cole Anthony affected them. It threw them off. Everyone this year is a Jenga puzzle, more so than other years. If you take one player off that team, it's going to change how effective they're going to be. You even see it with Kansas. If Yudoka Azubuki can't play, you're going to see a big chink in the armor for Kansas. So, yeah, it's hurt them. Normally, what Roy has are those bigs that are solid but not great like the Kennedy Meeks, the Isaiah Hicks, those people. This year, he has Baycott, Garrison Brooks, but they need the engine. They need the Kobe White. They need the guard that makes them go. And with when North Carolina went through their struggles and Cole Anthony wasn't there, it just devastated them because he's, so, he's such a huge part of what they like to do. So little surprising to see North Carolina have a bad year like this. Normally when they don't make a final four, they bounce back and have a dominant year, but it was a little surprising and disappointing because you know, you want to see them in the tournament. You want to see them out there because they are one of those elite programs. They are one of those elite programs. Then we're going to get into Kentucky. Nick Richards having a very good season uh, from the Patrick school. I'm from Jersey. So I watched him four or five years ago when he was at the Patrick school in Trenton, uh, yeah, the past few seasons for Kentucky, he's been quiet this season. He's a force there with Maxie and quickly. What's your take on Kentucky? I love Kentucky. Somehow, Kentucky has gone through this year being underrated. Remember a few years ago when I was critical of them on social media, they talk about, oh, they have all these five-star recruits. But all, all five-star recruits are not created equal. It doesn't work that way. But this year, it seems like because the last few years they haven't made that deep run, people have been underrating them. I am still high on Kentucky. I think that last night was a stumble, and all it did was lower their value for a future bet for me. They had won nine games in a row. After the Auburn loss, they had four wins in a row before that. So we're looking at 13 or 14. What confused me last night is they got up big. They're up 11 and a half. 
And in the second half, they just fall apart against, against Tennessee. Now, Tennessee plays good defense. It's a rivalry. I understand that. I am still high on Kentucky. Whenever Cal has made a run in the NCAA tournament, they are lead eight or better. I put a, a tweet out. They had a solid three-point shooting. Earlier this year, they were below 30%. Now, in conference in the SEC, Kentucky 36% from beyond the arc. Some odd split there, man, where in, at home they're not shooting well. On the road, they're shooting it tremendously well. But I'm a believer in Kentucky. That loss is fine to me. I actually held, held out hope they could get a one seed if they ran the table. That's not going to happen, but it doesn't matter. Kentucky is as solid as any team out there right now besides Kansas. I think they're going to get it together. And as you just said, I think they're going to be a problem when it comes to the tournament. Next up, Duke. Um, Duke was on a little bit of a problem there, losing, uh, got blown out by North Carolina State. They beat Virginia Tech. Then they lose badly to Wake Forest. Then they lose a close one to Virginia. And then they finally got the redemption and uh, blew out North Carolina State. But what's up with Duke? If I told you that they would blow a 10-point lead against Wake Forest with two minutes left while shooting 91% from the free throw line, I don't think anyone would have believed me if I said that. Their free throw shooting has improved. They're up to 71% on the season, 72% in conference, and I think that's critical for the way they play because they are not a flammable team. They have Vernon Carey inside. They have Trey Jones as a point guard. So when you have two solid players, a center in essence, and a point guard, you're going to have a chance. They don't have the crazy outside shooting that they normally do. And the other players are role players, whether it's your Wendell Moore or your Matthew Hurd or those type of guys. But in this year where parity reigns supreme, you're dealing with a Duke team that is still top 20 in offensive rebounding and defensively has been getting after it. They're number ninth in adjusted defensive efficiency per Ken Palm, and they defend the three-point shot, which I think this year is critical. I think if you can defend the three-point shot and you have somebody, at least one or two players that can score for you consistently on offense, that raises your floor. So Duke has struggled. They lost three or four there, but they got it together second half against NC State. I think they roll North Carolina, and I think they still should be on people's radar. I think Coach K's done a better coaching job this year than last year because last year it was pretty much the big three. I didn't see a lot of in-game adjustments. This year he's had to, and I think Duke is better for it. I think Duke has got a nice solid roster there with Vernon Carey and Jones, as you just touched on. Next, the number one team in the nation, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Kansas is on a roll lately. Um, saw a great game a few weekends ago when they played Baylor. That was a fantastic game on Saturday uh, with a 64-61 win at Baylor, who is the number one team in the nation at the moment. Uh, Kansas set here to be probably the number one team going into the tournament. Uh, what's your take on Kansas? He does it again, doesn't it? Bill Self has yet again pulled a rabbit out of his hat. We thought Baylor was going to win the conference this year, Kansas at the top of the big 12. They have TCU at home tonight, then away at Texas tech. They should lock it up. What is great about Kansas this year is you know how hard it is to win on the road. Kansas is undefeated on the road in the big 12. And from a betting perspective, they covered every single big 12 road game, except for the last one against Kansas state unheard of things for a team to do here in 2020 in college basketball, Devin Dotson, tremendous player and Yudoka Azubuki inside similar to Duke center and guard and the wing players really do a nice job for their roles you know you have a player like a Baji Garrett 
These guys, Isaiah Moss, Christian Braun would carry them for a while, had a nice hot streak there. They know their roles, and that's what's dangerous about Kansas. The roles are clearly defined. They're playing lockdown defense. They're superb defensively across the board, number one in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency, and they went on the road. So to me, Kansas is a notch above everyone else here, provided as Ibuki's healthy. What about Gonzaga? Gonzaga is, was on a tear. They got – you know, waxed early, very, very early in the season, losing to Michigan by almost 20 points in the tournament in Atlantis. Uh, what you take on Gonzaga right now, sitting at the number two seed? Common theme with Gonzaga where they struggle is they're not great defensively and they're not great against the three. That's the thing. Michigan got hot from three. BYU did as well. I predicted BYU to beat them just because everybody loses a conference game. Nobody really goes undefeated anymore. And it just seemed like a bad spot. They're 15-1, 29-2 overall. They've played very solidly across the board. They're dangerous because Gonzaga is a team where people know their roles. They have a fantastic coach. They challenge themselves early in the season with some tough neutral court games, Oregon, Michigan back-to-back. So they're dangerous once again. People are going to undersell them because they don't have the Rui Hashimura player, the dominant one guy. Petrusev's great inside. Kispert's a good shooter, but there's no dominant star. But this year there doesn't have to be. So I think Gonzaga is as dangerous as anyone and is actually a little bit underrated at this point because people are looking for stars. The problem with Gonzaga that's going to bite them is 68.7% from the free throw line. That's no bueno. Can't do that. But if they keep rebounding, they have a great coach. Depending on the draw, they could absolutely easily make a Final Four. And remember, if Kennedy Meeks isn't ruled out of bounds in that game against North Carolina, that championship game, Gonzaga could have a national title. For sure. The next surprising team on this list, the Dayton Flyers, with my favorite player in the NCAA, Obi Toppin. What's up with Dayton? And can Obi carry these guys deep into the tournament? How do you explain a team that's shooting 63% from inside the arc? I, I don't even know what that means. They are super efficient, just well-balanced. Toppin is, is a lottery pick for sure. And the other players are incredibly efficient. What I love about them is Trey Landers, statistically, as a senior, is probably their most efficient player. Jalen Crutcher hits all the big shots. And Toppin's probably the best pro. I mean, they have so many different parts here. I'm curious tonight. I think they... They don't stumble at Rhode Island. I think they've, they've dominated. It's been very impressive what they've done. And they're in an A-10 that's a little bit underrated nationally. I mean, St. Louis on the road is not easy. A VCU on the road is never easy. Davidson's been hot lately. Duquesne's been really solid this year. Richmond's okay. So they've been tested. The only issue with them is the rebounding. Toppin does a great job avoiding foul trouble, which is critical for them. I really like Dayton a lot. I think if they ran into a team that pounds the boards, a la like a UNLV versus San Diego State, maybe they could give them trouble. I'd love to see them play Houston. I think that would be a great, great matchup in the tournament. But Dayton has been real solid. Only stumble they had. Kansas was in overtime. It's not a stumble. And at Colorado, who it was tough at home as well. So they've been as high a floor team as you're going to find they're diverse and they're so efficient on offense they are indeed and it like i said it's just fun to watch ob and that team in general they have a nice round group of players there uh the next team sitting at four right now the baylor bears um just had a last uh win monday night over texas tech what's your take on the baylor bears 
You know, Scott Drew, is he the next guy who is the best coach not to make a Final Four, taking the mantle from Dana Altman? He's got himself a a real solid team. They have stumbled lately, but I think that's only because the injuries have caught up with them. So Macy Oteague was injured for a couple games. They sat Mark Vital, who is, no pun intended, vital to everything that they do. <laughs> so I think Baylor is, is just as strong. These losses are going to cool people a little bit on them. They go away to West Virginia. If they lost that, I'd be a little concerned, but they've been very solid. Jared Butler is one of the best players that, that the country still hasn't really warmed to. So, yeah, maybe they're a one seed, maybe they're a two seed. But I believe in Baylor. I think these losses are a result of some injuries and resting some players, particularly the one away at TCU. So I'm still a huge believer in Baylor. They hit the boards real well, and they have a style that really fits their personnel. Yes, I do agree with you. I think the injuries are catching up with them. But once they get healthy, they're going to be a problem in the tournament. Next at number five, they finally took a loss. San Diego State, the Aztecs led by Malachi Flynn. What's up with the Aztecs? Do you believe them, or you think this is something that you're not really going to see once again to the tournament and face some real, really good teams? You know, Colton, it's a shame here because I'm not hating on San Diego State. I, I think they're for real for what they have. Now, if you're asking me if they're for real for a Final Four, no, I, I don't see that. You want to say, I predicted they were going to lose away at UNLV. Now, they escaped that game. They won by four, but Hamilton did three at the buzzer, so it really was a seven, eight-point game. After they got through that, I thought they were home free. To stumble at home at UNLV, okay, it was odd, but I'll take it. I mean, it's a quadrant three loss. But the one what's bothered me is since then, they really struggled in on senior night at home against Colorado State, which is a really dangerous team in the future because they're young. Their backcourt is both freshmen. That should have been a destruction. They should have pounded Colorado State coming off that loss, and they didn't. And if it wasn't for Malachi Flynn, who's got to be on an All-American team, having 35 points or whatever he had against Nevada, they could have lost that one too. So I think they actually could have been just a a whisker away from losing three in a row. So they play at a slow pace. I don't believe in Yanni Wetzel inside. I think he can be pushed around a little bit. I think he's, you know, really excited about dominating Fresno and Wyoming. But I don't see Yanni Wetzel doing a lot against some of your more athletic teams. So I lean to say San Diego State is not a team that's going to make a deep run whatsoever. I wouldn't be surprised. You imagine them if they're playing Virginia in the second round, you know, like that, that is not the game that they want to play. So no, that's not the game they want to play, especially with Virginia starting to play their best basketball right. and getting better on the defensive end of the floor. Right. So those one versus eight, nine matchups are always frisky. I remember when Kansas was a one seed with Sharon Collins, they played Northern Iowa. Ali Farouk Manesh is pulling up from three on the break. No one of the basket and ba- making it. That's the sort of game I see San Diego state in, in the second round. So I'll probably have them out early. Then you have another surprising team before we start getting into the Big Ten, the Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton was on a roll for a little bit there, and they had a stinker this weekend with St. John blowing them out. Creighton was on a roll beating a very, very good Seton Hall team, uh, DePaul, Marquette, and then Butler. I mean, they are on a roll there and then threw up a stinker this weekend. What do you expect going into the tournament with Creighton? You know, I'm still very high on Creighton. And they have a weakness. The critics will say they don't rebound. Right. Well, they don't rebound. Another team doesn't make free throws. Another team doesn't make threes. Uh, Fine. Creighton has been solid. The St. John's loss had happened. St. John's got hot, whatever. But I think you can excuse that when you're looking at a Creighton team that won at Marquette. Not easy. 
one at Seton Hall, also not easy, one at Villanova. I don't know if you're going to find three better road wins for any team this year than they had. So I excuse the St. John's one. They shoot from three. They make their free throws. They're very efficient on offense. I think that their style works. They have a solid coach in McDermott. I know the fans out there want Creighton to go a little further. They felt he should have went further when he had Doug McDermott, his son, out there. I expect a massive bounce back tonight against Georgetown. We'll see when this pod drops if I'm right or wrong. I think they're going to destroy the Hoyas at home. They're very effective. And when you have three road wins like that, that gets my attention. I think they're dangerous in the tournament. Then we got the mess of the Big Ten. Um, No one wants to be that best team in the Big Ten. Maryland just got smoked at the rack last night. Michigan State with a nice win. Michigan State looks like they might be figuring it out. Man, the Big Ten's a mess. Like, what is your take on the Big Ten? Um, I pay attention to the Big Ten a lot more than I do with the other conferences since I'm a Michigan fan. But, man, the Big Ten is a mess, and it's good basketball all around in the Big Ten. Every game, you don't know what's going to happen. Wisconsin's getting hot from behind the arc right now. Ohio State's playing some good basketball. What's up with the Big Ten? What's your take on it? Well, Big Ten is clearly the best conference in the country. Michigan State, I was waiting for them to get hot. Lost a couple wagers on them. Lost them against the Michigan game. Lost them against the Maryland game. They didn't cover against, uh, at home against Iowa. So I was kind of cooling on them. But certainly it seems in the back-to-back wins against Maryland and a huge comeback at Happy Valley against Penn State that they are back again. And ho-hum, we look at the top of the standings, and there you go. There's Michigan State at 13-6 and tied with Maryland. Wisconsin has really done a nice job. I mean, earlier in the year, they had the player transfer away, which was really interesting to see that he was going to leave. Kobe King, right? He transferred out of there. There were some issues. But since then, they've really come together. And they themselves have some impressive road wins. I mean, earlier in the year, it was, well, they didn't win at Michigan State. Well, they didn't win at Purdue. Well, they didn't win Iowa. Right. But they did win at Penn State earlier in the year, which was the first loss, I think, at home this year for Penn State. Then they've won at Michigan, which was impressive. They take care of business against Nebraska. So they're, they're not just winning on the road. They're being the teams are supposed to be by substantial margins. Wisconsin is a very, very tricky matchup. Michigan has been hot lately. I was cooled on them, and then they got hot from three. But I was really – the back-to-back losses to Wisconsin and Ohio State really concerned me because I was cool on them earlier. I, I thought there was going to be a natural transition without Beeline. You had Simpson crash the car, the AD. It looked like it was a little chaos. Then they banged those five wins out in a row. And I say, oh, here we go. Michigan's back. Then they lose at home to Wisconsin and Ohio State. The team for my money that I'm still on is Ohio State. I, I think there's a way. They, they Remember, beginning of the year, we're talking about them being the number one team in the country. Then they lost six to seven. Everyone cooled their jets. But they certainly have a really good coach in Chris Holtman. They've won three in a row right now. They have Illinois tonight at home. That's a really good test for me to see if they're legit or not. So, And then they have Michigan State away. So, they have the talent that can make a run, and they have the coach. I just want to see if they've put their, their problems behind them. And I've liked Illinois all year long. Illinois, really impressive. There could be a night when they play a team that zones them and they don't make their shots. But with DeSumo on the court and the big inside, Kobe Coburn has done a fantastic job. On the road, you need a big. If you notice, Colton, in the NCAA tournament, the teams that escape early round upsets usually have a quality big because the smaller schools can't match the size inside. Small schools can shoot threes, but they can't match the big, which is why North Carolina, when they had Tyler Hansborough and they had Zeller inside, rarely got upset early because you can always go to them inside. So Illinois, to me, has a schematic to get out of the early round, 
and they've been battle tested with some nice wins. So Big Ten Conference overall, best uh, conference in the country, and a lot of teams that can do some damage here. And they, they could get like, you know, two, maybe even three teams to the Elite Eight. Yeah, and the thing is you can have a team like Rutgers who I think is going to end up making it in the tournament, especially after that big win at home against Maryland. Um, you're going to end up seeing them. I, I doubt it happens because I don't think they can play away from the rack, and it's proven this season they cannot play away from the rack, which I think is going to be a problem once you get to the tournament. But they could be a team that you could see possibly winning the Big Ten tournament or Penn State, and it takes away another bid from someone else. I think Penn State – that Penn State loss at home to Michigan State was bad. Michigan State had a great run to end the first half. They were down like 20 or 18, one of the two, and Penn State ends the half down 12 when that game could have got easily out of hand for Sparty, and they come back and win on the road in Happy Valley, as we touched on already. The Big Ten is such a mess, and as you just touched on, plenty of teams can make it into the Elite Eight or the championship game for all that matters. Yeah, I'm going to shy away from teams that are limping in to the end of the season. I know that, th- that sometimes it's mutually exclusive, and a team that really struggled could actually come back and get hot. But I tend to like teams that are playing well at the end of the year. So Penn State's four losses in the last five games, unless in their way at Northwestern, so that's not going to show us anything. That really concerns me. I don't buy Purdue. I guess they own Iowa, but I, I don't buy them. <laughs> you know, and Rutgers, listen, here in Jersey, I get it. I love Rutgers. Want to see them in the tournament. Very happy for them. But they have to go and get something on the road or at least give me a, a solid showing at the, at the, uh, in the Big Ten tournament. If they do that, I'll feel better. But they certainly deserve to be in because their wins have been huge. And Steve Peichel's turned that program around. So in terms of a deep run, I want teams that are hot coming into postseason play and that have shown an affinity to win on the road in tough spots. Yeah, you want your hot teams. You got your Sparty, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin uh, on a six-game win streak, Illinois, and Sparty on four-game win streaks. So what do you expect going into the tournament here? You got a lot of really, really solid teams, but there's been no number one clear cut the whole season. Um, Kansas is now up top at number one. They're playing really, really good basketball. What do you think goes on going into the tournament? Because we have, as we've touched on this whole podcast so far, it's a mess in the top 25 and it's changing every single week. Yeah, I, it makes me think back. I think it was 2015 season, maybe it was 20, uh, 2012 season, where two, fifth, uh, two number two seeds lost to 15 seeds in the first round. One of them was Duke to Lehigh with C.J. McCollum, and the other, I believe, was Missouri and Norfolk State. I think the one seeds are solid. I mean, the Virginia loss, which I think is totally overblown as a one seed, because they did have DeAndre Hunter out, which changes the game. And one losing to a 16, it's not a huge difference from a 2 to a 15. But I think our Kansas, uh, Baylor, Gonzaga, let's say San Diego State even, I think they're pretty secure in the first round. But I would target the twos. I, I think there's some opportunities for teams to get upset. Maryland wouldn't surprise me at this point. I mean, even against inferior opponents, they're down early. So we've been banking on the Maryland second half run. Uh, you know, Dayton, of course, should be pretty solid. But if you get like a Florida State, uh, you know, even like a Louisville who can be a little questionable at time, maybe a little soft inside. Those are teams that I think are vulnerable early. So I'm going to look for those early round upsets and I'm especially going to target the second round upset. I mean, if you had, let's say Houston playing Seton Hall in like a two versus seven game, or let's say you had Florida State versus, uh, you know, a Marquette or even like a Texas Tech, 
those are teams that I'm going to target. I would be shocked if we get out of the first weekend without some huge major upsets across the board, which is going to make it fun. And we could have a run from a playing team at some point, like we usually do every year, you know, like VCU made a run all the way to the final four that could happen this year because it's all about the matchup. You're seeing it with Texas. Texas was dead in the water. Shaka's going to get fired. Terrible. Jericho Sims, the big man's out with an injury. All of a sudden, Shaka's forced to go to an all-guard lineup, and now they can't lose. So that sort of thing is out there. It's trying to find what team can get hot. So I'm glad you touched on that. We can actually see probably maybe one of the biggest first rounds in the tournament ever with how inconsistent the top is here. Uh, You can see a lot of teams get bounced that shouldn't be bounced in the first round, but it could happen this year. And I know we love seeing it on those first few days, but once it gets later into the tournament, once you get to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, you want to see those blue buds in there. Do you? I know I like seeing these Cinderella stories and stuff, but then people are like, yeah, it's great to hear about it. But at the end of the day, we want to see these power teams in the Final Four, in the Elite Eight. What's your, st- like, what's your take on it? Well, I'm a college hoops junkie, so I understand the ratings would be significantly better if we had Kansas, Duke, Gonzaga, you know, and and let's say even a, a darling in there like a Dayton or even keep it all blue bloods, Michigan State. I get it. The ratings would be better, but I want to see great basketball and I love it when teams are making upsets and making runs like George Mason did years ago as well. So for me, I don't really care. I'm going to enjoy the tournament one way or another. When Oregon went into Kansas City in the Elite Eight and beat Kansas in Kansas City uh, when they had a loaded team and Oregon had no Chris Boucher inside – that was a great win to me. I know people were disappointed because they want to see Kansas move on. And everybody's like, Oregon, the ratings aren't going to be as good. I don't really care. Those are great games to me. So I, I just want to see some upsets and I want to see some buzzer beaters. And if I get that in the first weekend, then honestly, I think we've got everything that we need. <laughs> so who would you like to see in your finals and who do you have winning it all possibly this year? <sighs> Boy, that's a tough question. I'll give you the top teams and I'll give you a couple dark horses. Kansas is going to be really, really tough. Uh, It's hard for me to get away from a blue blood Colton that has a great coach, a style, and has one on the road. That's going to be tough. I like Kansas. I like Kentucky. I think they're clearly ahead of the field. Some of the teams that can make a run that I think can get going – don't sleep on Houston. Houston is, has, a, has a, a, an ability that most teams don't. They're ferocious on the boards. Kelvin Sampson's done a great job. They don't have any star players, nobody that jumps off the page, but they could be the type of team that makes a run. I like Seton Hall. I have questions about Kevin Willard as a coach, but I do like Seton Hall and their makeup, and I think having a player like Miles Powell who can take and make that big shot is very, very rare. Don't like a team like West Virginia. I think they're trending in the wrong direction. I think we've seen Villanova's best. I don't think this is their year. And then, listen, the Big 12, the Big 10 has been really, really solid. So give me a couple of those teams. They can make a run. I have liked BYU all year. I've liked Creighton all year. Teams that shoot the three. BYU is very dangerous because of Yoeli Childs inside. So they're a three-point shooting team that guards the three well. They're the best three-point shooting team in the country. And Yoeli Childs is a monster inside. So to have a three-point ability and a center is very, very rare. So those are some of sort of the teams that I'm looking at here. I would not back Duke. I would not back San Diego State. I think they have too many issues, but it sets up to be a fun tournament. Give me two top teams and two sleepers, and I think it'll be a great Final Four. 
I think it would be, and it would pretty much make up how the season has been for the NCAA with two great teams and two flyers in there that you wouldn't expect to make it this far. And I kind of agree with you. I think it comes down to what teams are really, really hot going into the tournament, how they do in their conference tournaments. And, like, right now, I think Wisconsin might be, like, a week or two early, as in how hot they are right now shooting the basketball from behind the arc. Because the past few games for Wisconsin has been lights out shooting the three ball. And it's even on the road, which a lot of teams struggle with shooting on the road. Wisconsin's been lights out shooting the three ball, which I think could really make a problem for in the tournament. But I think they might be a little too early on that. But, you know, thanks for coming on, Mike. This was a, a great show. I love everything you brought to the table with this uh, college basketball. Because it's oh, been any- a mess this season. Oh, anytime, man. We could talk about this for three hours. Anytime. Love talking about it. Conference tournaments are flying. Really great, great time of year. We will be in touch for sure. If you want to give people where they can find you, where they can reach out to communicate with you, hear your take is, man, I know we've had some disagreements with your top 25 uh, all season. I've looked at your list a few times. I was looking at it today and uh, it's crazy. So what's, uh, where can people reach you? Oh, guys, come at me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Love going back and forth. The sports arguments are the fuel, the elixir of my life. All right. Follow my work. I'm on the Action Network. You can download the app. I do all my picks there. And my best friend and I do the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast as well. So you can find us all over the place there doing stuff now. I do fantasy football and college basketball. That's pretty much it, 24-7, 365 across the year. Yes, as you can tell, listening to the show, Mike knows his stuff with college basketball. He does a very good job at communicating with the followers and his people on Twitter. So definitely if you have any questions, anything, this is the guy to hit up. You can follow the Personal Foul Podcast on Twitter at foul underscore podcast. You can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where we are. And thanks again, Mike. Oh, anytime, man. Thanks.